0: I'm Kramer. Welcome to Bad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right. Um, what was that? Um, what was that thing with Italy again uh, yesterday? Uh, uh, trade? Uh, Euro? Uh, Milan versus Rome? Government? Uh, interest rates? It crushed us yesterday, Yeah, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. What did it have to do with the price earnings ratio of Facebook or Amazon? Sure enough, the amnesia-based market came roaring back today after yesterday's wacky. Dow surging 306 points, S&P soaring 1.27%, NASDAQ pole vaulting 0.89%. So it goes. Another day, another day where panic was replaced by rationality and why we forget why people fled from high-quality stocks in droves yesterday, even stocks that had nothing to do with Italy. How the heck did it happen again? For the record, that's pretty much every American company having nothing to do with Italy, aside from a handful of players that sell Zegna and Brioni, not to mention Ferrari, which set a new all-time high earlier this month. Last night, I told you that the sell-off made no sense which means today's rally is the most logical thing in the world. Why? All right, let's focus. First off, we're not in Italy. That may sound geographically obvious, but if you listen to the bears all day yesterday, they made it sound like Wall Street is located in Rome. We're fortunate enough to have a place in Italy. Not we're meaning mad money, but we're meaning my family. I'm not so crazy as to believe my experience with the Tuscan Villa is somehow representative of the Italian economy, but I got to tell you, anyone who thinks that Italy is a functioning state with a real live banking system is kidding themselves. Now, I know there's a lot of consternation about the latest political developments, where the big far-right party wants to form a populist coalition with the big far-left party, but I wouldn't read nearly as much as all these people who come on TV or write about it are saying the truth is is crying out for better government, any better government, something establishment parties have failed to deliver time after time. Of course, people voted to throw the bums out. Italians want multiple solvent, and competitive banks. They want a functioning mortgage market. They want lower unemployment, last at 11%. Most important, like many in Southern Europe, they're sick and tired of the strong euro, which really hurts the tourism business. That's the cause of the latest fracas. Italy loses far more than it gains from the euro. I think they'd be better off with their own currency. And they really don't like the EU's heavy-handed approach to just about everything. That's what's at stake. But that's all there is to it. Now, you can fret all you want about what happens to the European Union and the euro. I will keep coming back to the fact that our banking system is not their banking system. The idea that somehow PNC or Wells Fargo should see their stocks get hammered because they're part of a bank ETF that just might have a little Italian exposure is downright absurd. And yes, I am conscious that we're going to put the tariffs on aluminum and steel. That doesn't change my view. That does not change my view. The truth is our banking system is strong and unaffected. Acceptance of far as wealthy Italians are more likely now to send their money here. More likely, if they haven't already. See, that's called a positive, not a negative. The second reason for today's rebound, we have a very strong economy here. And that does tend to translate into higher stock prices here. Yep, thanks to this strength, we're getting some incredible returns from great American companies that do most of their business domestically. Selling these stocks because of Italian woes is just as stupid as selling them because of the credit rating of New Jersey or Illinois. Hey, those two are they're problematic states, much like Italy. But those problems are no reason to dump high quality stocks, even the stocks of companies based in New Jersey or Illinois. Third reason for the rally? America is an incredibly resource-rich country. We do not talk about this nearly enough, and that research nature is having a very positive effect on our stock market. I spend a lot of time talking to companies like Union Pacific, which is having what I think will be a fantastic investor day tomorrow, or the oils, or the construction companies, the utilities. You know, you see them on the show. Here's the word I keep hearing from everyone. Boom! As in our country is booming! And part of that is because of the incredible natural resources base that we have that the other guys don't. Now, it's not as spread out as we'd like. Much of the boom is happening in Louisiana and Texas, but these are two states that are getting literally hundreds of billions of dollars in investments because of our cheap natural gas. From chemical plants to liquefied natural gas export terminals to container board, ethylene transfer facilities, this stuff requires a lot of labor to become a reality. This is a major reason why the employment situation is so robust. At the same time, places like Indiana, which used to have incredibly high unemployment, have attracted a lot of businesses, as the good people from Thor Industries would tell you, that's the maker of RVs, as they're struggling to find enough workers to assemble their products. I mention these admittedly anecdotal examples because I want you to remember, please, that we're not in Rome or Naples or Florence unless you're talking about Rome, Georgia, Naples, Florida, or Florence, South Carolina. Next, how about something called the rule of law? For those of you who haven't had the pleasure of doing business overseas, let's just say you have to hire people to hire people who hire people who don't know what the heck they're doing anyway. The thinking of laws or rules or regulations is so dense that you feel like it's a triple canopy jungle. But America? Look, even when the Obama administration was rolling out endless reams of new regulations, our country still looks like a paragon of laissez-faire economics compared to Europe. Now that the Trump administration is slashing regulations left and right, or at least taking a very hands-off attitude for enforcing the rules it can't get rid of, America's become an even easier place to hire people and grow your business. Now, look, I'm not necessarily saying this is the best policy. Obviously, we need some regulation, or we'll have toxic air and acid rain and rivers that catch you on fire, like the old Gowanus Canal. is down a block from me. You young people who were born after the Clean Air and Clean Water Acts were enacted, you don't know how good you have it. But even if you hate the idea of deregulation, the fact is that businesses love it. You may think deregulation is terrible for the long-term future of the planet, but it's good for the economy. Oh, by the way, this is not the Avengers. Ooh, can't. Spoiler alert. Take it from me. Anyway, finally, what really drove me nuts about yesterday's market was how so many alleged geniuses geniuses, and I use that word lightly, could conflate the problems of Italy's banking system with the problems of our banking system. And I heard it all day. All day. There is one similarity. They both involve capital. But that's where the similarity ends, because most Italian banks and European banks, for that matter, are radically undercapitalized. Our banks are insanely over-capitalized. The Italian government never demanded the capital be raised from the banks. Our government insisted the capital be raised. Their financial regulations are lax, and they're all members of the club. Our regulators, until President Trump, wouldn't even know what a club is unless it's something to beat over the head of Jamie Dimon or Lloyd Blankfein. So let's understand something. Someone on Twitter yesterday said I looked tired during last night's show. Tired. Tired. What a joke. Tired. Nah, I wasn't tired. I was just exasperated. Because no one who opines on this stuff for a living ever seems to learn. Bottom line, the bears will freak you out of your stocks every time. But today was proof positive that selling everything into the teeth of a European-induced pullback is a mistake. I'll say it again. Just a little geographically challenged out there. America is not Italy. New York is not Rome. Our banks are not their banks. It's easy to remember this stuff in a rally like today, but please try not to forget the next time we get slammed off of something that has nothing to do with the United States of America. There, United States of America, right? Not Italy, Italy's the boot. You know, it looks like a boot. All right, we sell boots in this country. They're expensive. Brandon in Pennsylvania, Brandon. Hey Jim, how are you? I'm fine.
2: Hey, I I wanted to uh, call in and uh, ask you uh, uh, about the company Kronos Group. Uh, With the impending legalization of cannabis uh, in Canada next Thursday, uh, how should we be looking at cannabis
0: group? I'd rather be in the Canopy Growth Company, uh, CGC, because we had them on air. I thought they made a lot of sense. That's my play for the legalization. But remember... You're not early. It's been around. Now I'm going to speak to myself, Jim in Pennsylvania. Jim! Booyah, Kramer! How are you today? I'm good. I'm just, you know, trying to get my arms around, you know, how Italy's often confused with America. But go ahead. I need some market wisdom on GameStop, GME. They uh, pay a nice dividend. Their stock is running a little, little low. They ran into a little bit of trouble with a CEO that only lasted... Three months, but they have the co-founder as the interim CEO. Is it a buy, buy, buy? No, 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 no. I, you know, look, do I want to sell it down here? I mean, it is so low. I have to believe this thing can bounce to 13, 14. But it's got a challenge business model. It's mall-based. People buy their video games online. That is a suboptimal situation for GameStop. I'm going to pull in Arizona. Pull.
2: Hey, Jim, thanks for taking my call. Of course. I wanted to talk to you about Axon Enterprises, A-A-X-N. course. Earlier this, earlier this month, you interviewed their CEO, Rick Smith. Of course, they decided their real future lies with selling body cams for police. They also announced their agreement to buy rival company V-View by merging that company's body camera business into their own. Since your interview, the stock has really grown With that said, do you feel Axon will
0: remain a good buy given their record growth? Well, it's only a $3.7 billion company. Uh, It has got a lot of shorts in it. Rick Smith took a contract which said basically he'll do well if you do well. I don't know how to beat that kind of contract. I think that Rick's real. Do I want to buy it up here? Well, I mean, it's just kind of, you're not early. It's up 140%. But if it does come down a lot, yes, the answer would be yes. All right. I'm trying to calm down, trying not to be angry about, once again, people coming on and confusing where Italy is with the United States, okay? As a boot, remember that next time, you know, we're like, we look like this, they look like that, maybe that'll help. This is what looks like when panic, this market, is replaced with rationality. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Mad Money Tonight. Get in the state of the retail sector with the CEO of the company behind the brands of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger. You don't want to miss my exclusive CEO of PVH. Don't worry, I will come down later in the show. Then, you ought to know auto. I'm helping you steer into the right auto parts retailers, a little teaching lesson. And it's a tech company winning business like the likes of uh, Nationwide, Expedia, Domino's. Is it time to consider New Relic after its incredible climb? I'm going to talk to the CEO. So stick with Kramer. year or so, the apparel stocks have made a monster comeback, and I bet they've got more room to run. Consider the case of PVH. That's the parent of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, among many other smaller brands. This stock gave us a 50% gain in 2017 and is tacked on another 15% year-to-date. Why? Because the company's doing very, very well. PVH just reported its latest quarter after the close today, and once again, the numbers were excellent. The company posted an 11-cent earnings beat off a $2.25 basis, higher than expected revenues of 16% year-over-year fueled by strength at both Calvin and Tommy. On top of that, management gave robust guidance for both the next quarter and the full year. So can this stock continue to climb? Let's take a closer look with one of our faves. It's Manny Chirico, the chairman and CEO of PVH, who also happens to be a longtime friend of the show, get a better sense of the quarter and the company's prospects. Mr. Chirico, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Manny. All right, have a seat. All right, Manny, you started it all. I was going back in my notes. And you were the first person to say that something's changed, and it may be seismic, that mm-hmm. things are much better. It continues?
2: It continues. Uh, fundamentally, the business couldn't be – I think it's the strongest I've seen it in my 25 years with PVH. And strongest I've, in 20 – in your whole time? My whole time. my Our business between Calvin, Tommy, and our heritage businesses, you know, we just had a quarter that was completely uh, off the charts from a – from beating our expectations. We continue to make the investments in the business, and uh, they seem to be delivering.
0: Now, uh, when you say that 25 years, do you mean 25 around the world? Because it does seem that every market's good.
2: Yeah, right now we're seeing strong business throughout Europe, Asia, and North America. The only area where we see some softness is in South America, particularly in Brazil, what's going on there. Relatively small business for us, but an important piece. But besides that, the uh, You know, I I think when I was on the show at the end of our third quarter, early November, uh, I said to you, I really see business starting to inflect and change. Clearly, we came through a really strong fourth quarter, and that momentum has just continued as we've gone into the first quarter and into May.
0: All right, so explain to me how it works, Manny. It looks like that inventories consistently seem to be lean. They keep ordering more and more from you. It keeps blowing out of the stores. This is quite different from the many years you've been coming on the show. What changed psychologically?
2: So uh, look, I think is, well, a couple of things. I think is uh, last year, I think uh, in general, retailers really started to plan the business even tighter. And then as we got into the third quarter, business started to really come come on strong. Fourth quarter, that continued, and you really saw strong sell-throughs and lean inventories coming out of the holiday season. That really positioned the entire industry well as we went into the first quarter had a strong spring, very strong February-March, came through all of that, and now going into May, we've May has gotten off to a really nice start as it well. Has. And you're selling fresh inventories, less need for promotional clearance markdowns than the level that you've seen in the past, and I think that's why you're seeing strong performance from an operating margin point of view as well. So our gross margins were very strong, up a couple hundred
0: basis. So early read, it, uh, I know this is the gross margin of major. early read department stores for May, probably pretty good, huh?
2: Yeah, be, look, I see our business, I don't right. see everybody's, but uh, based on what I, the trends I'm seeing with our business in our major customers, right. and that's all the customers that you know in North America, business continues to be very strong.
0: But you called out online right at the top.
2: Yeah, well, look, uh, you, you can't talk about the apparel business and not talk about online. Our own online business, our department store customers' online business, and so, a number of the Pure Place across the board, that's our fastest growing channel. It represents about 10, 11% of our volume, but it's growing significantly faster than the
0: rest okay, of the Okay. Now, there's verbiage in your quarter about China. I, just tell it to me straight. I mean, China's getting bigger as yeah. part of your business, yeah. and it's good,
2: right? Yeah. yeah the China is very good. The surrounding areas throughout Asia, Hong Kong, Macau, that's very good. Uh, I think we're well positioned as a premium brand yeah, right. in those markets, uh, that's really a part of the business that's growing very strongly in, in that market, and both Calvin and Tommy are outperforming.
0: Okay, well, I mentioned China because obviously we're all concerned about tariffs. Uh, we want a great, we want a great, strong country here, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we don't want the doors closed. We okay for P V H in China?
2: Sure. I mean, I, you know, you don't know what's going to happen day to day negotiating between our administration and, and China. Yeah, I, it feels like cooler heads will prevail. Right. The threats of back and forth as far as tariffs, I think those are negotiating positions that will work their way through. There's clearly changes that China needs to make to open up their markets. Uh, I think there's real issues around technology and stealing technology that need to be addressed. But at the same point, uh, I I don't think you want to really disrupt everyone's supply chains coming out of Asia uh, as we go forward. So I think... uh, I think as as we work through this uh hopefully things will work work their way out. I feel much better today than I did 2 or 3 months All ago. All right, that's important.
0: Now, the, there is kind of a a wackiness to the dollar this quarter, right? And what it will mean for next quarter. Sure,
2: I'll look at. When I was on here last, I mean our business fundamentally has been never been strong. Right, and that's One what piece we, of the right. business that is uh, the of of our results that have, as we look out now is has changed is the, the, the strengthening of the dollar right. against particularly euro but against all currencies and that's had an impact on our ability to take the guidance up as much as we've wanted to. We've been conservative on planning uh, foreign currencies and we've been very conservative on the second half of the year we're not building in the trends we're seeing in the business now in the second half. As business develops we'll adjust that but I've tried to be as transparent to the market as possible to say is I just don't want to get ahead of ourselves, given the volatility, particularly with currencies. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves projecting out the strong trends we've seen in the last couple of quarters. We're not planning those trends for the second half of the year. If that were to happen, and it feels like it may, uh, We've clearly out, outperformed the numbers that we're uh, that we're projecting right well, now. Well, just That's another.
0: You know, look, you called it first. You guys have been unbelievable. Just fantastic work. That's Manny Trico, Chairman, CEO of PVH. What a stock! Great company. That money's back after the break.
2: Thanks, Tim. Thank
0: How does a not so hot stock go from laggard? to leader. Since the beginning of 2018, we've seen a real shift in the auto parts retailers. And I think it's important to point this out because it shows you what Wall Street really cares about. I'm trying to do a teaching lesson here using these familiar names. For the last five years, AutoZone and Advanced Auto Parts, you know these companies were total laggards. While industry leader O'Reilly Automotive saw its stock surge nearly 150% higher over this period. AutoZone and Advanced Auto Parts both climbed just 56%. Most of that move out. Coming very recently. Over the past 12 months, Advance has been the worst performer, down 3%, while AutoZone has gained 7%. However, since the beginning of 2018, we've had a kind of Bob Dylan, hence the intro bump-in music moment in this group, because the times they are changing for Advance Auto Parts. When he sang The Loser Now Will Be Later to Win, Dylan sure knew what he was talking about in the auto parts business. So far this year, advance has seen its stock rocket up 29%, leaving ACO in the dust down 8% over the same period. Even Best of breed, O'Reilly's only climbed about 14%. So how the heck did auto, advance auto parts go from being the worst performer in its sector to the best? And more important, could this be the new normal in the auto parts pecking order? Or is this merely a relief rally after an extended period of real bad underperformance? First, let me put this move in context. This whole group got clobbered during the first half of 2017 based on fears that the auto industry was peaking and the fact that we had a mild winter. Mild winter, what does that have to do with it? Well, snow and ice are brutal on cars. So when we don't get enough extreme weather, People buy fewer replacement parts; fewer things go wrong with their cars. On top of that, there were some fears that Amazon would move into the auto parts space, crush the whole darn industry, and that's still lurking. Um, it's done like this to so many other brick-and-mortar places. I was in a Barnes and Noble over the weekend. Holy cow! I mean, it was like a you know a temple of learning that was empty except for me. All right by last summer, AutoZone bottomed, and its stock began to tick higher in September after the company gave us a real solid quarter. Advanced Auto Parts took a bit longer to rebound. It kept getting whacked through last November before the company delivered a better than feared number and its stock took off like a rocket ship. The fourth quarter of 2017 was a usually positive period for both stocks, but it's important to recognize that timing plays a major role in the disparity here. In other words, one reason Advanced Auto Parts has performed so much better than AutoZone or O'Reilly of late is simply because the stock started running so much later than the other two. If you actually look at the numbers from last year's lows through the peaks in late, peak in late January, AutoZone outperformed AP. So part of this is simply that Advance was playing catch-up to AutoZone. That said, there's a much larger component here, something we got to study. Both stocks got crushed by the market-wide sell-off in late January and early February. But since then, Advance Auto Parts has come roaring back, while AutoZone, often thought to be the much better of the two companies, just kept falling until about a month ago. So what happened? When these two chains reported in February, their quarters got very different receptions from Wall Street. Advance Auto Parts posted some numbers that were, if not particularly impressive, then at least better than feared. Keep that concept in mind, better than feared. They gave you a big earnings beat with a slightly higher than expected revenue. And even though the same store sales shrank by 2.6%, the analysts were looking for an even worse 3.8% decline, 2.6, 3.8. Plus the guidance was kind of meh. But in the eyes of Wall Street, Advance Auto Parts is now a great turnaround story. The activists at Starboard Value, smart folks, have been trying to improve things here for ages. And a couple of years ago, they brought in an executive from frito Tom Greco, to run the company. So while the quarter wasn't anything special, the big earnings per share beat has the analysts believing that Greco's efforts are now finally paying off. They want to get on board. That's why we saw a lot of number bumps after these results and the stock popped 8% the next day. Remember, still at minus comp store sales. 8%. How about this AutoZone? On an objective basis, their February quarter was much, much better. AutoZone's revenue grew at a 5.4% clip, and in same-store sales were up 2.2%. But the thing is, the analysts were actually looking for 2.3%. So that was a miss. And the earnings also came in lower than expected. Now, AutoZone doesn't give guidance. So that was all we got. In response, the stock was pummeled. in a single day and continue to drift lower for the next couple of months. Again, in absolute terms, this was a better quarter than what we got from Advanced Auto Parts. But the stock market is all about relative, not absolute. Relative. Money managers don't care about the absolute numbers. They care about whether a company seems to be improving or deteriorating compared to its past performance. The judgment in February was that Advanced Auto Parts was improving whereas the usually consistent AutoZone gave us a rare disappointment. So let's analogize to school because we all know what this is about. I want you to think of it like this. When an A student gets a B on a test, that hurts her grade for the class. But when a C student gets a B, it helps her. Even when AutoZone announced an additional $1 billion buyback equal to more than 5% of the share count in late March, it did nothing for the stock. AutoZone was in the penalty box, so buyers didn't want to go near it. Meanwhile, when we learned that the CFO of Advanced Auto Parts was leaving the company last month, and that's something that's usually taken as a pretty big negative, the stock barely batted an eyelash. And those falling all over themselves to tell people to buy it in any weakness. When Wall Street decides you're a winner, you get the benefit of the doubt. When Wall Street decides that you're a loser, you're treated with immense skepticism, at least until you can prove that things are finally turning around. Now, we got to uh, fast forward the reason why I wanted to do this piece. Last Tuesday, we heard from both auto parts chains again. Advance Auto Parts reported what I can only describe as a mixed quarter. While well, they delivered a top-line miss, in other words, on the sales, and the same-store sales were weaker than expected, shrinking 0.8%. When Wall Street was looking for a 0.3% gain, the earnings were very good, a $0.13 beat off $1.97 basis. Thanks to CEO Tom Greco's turnaround efforts, the company's margins have been on the rise, and that translated into 31% earnings per share growth. While the stock initially got hit on the news, the next day it came roaring back, and it's been on the rise ever since, climbing from 119 to 128 that's because many analysts and investors are focused on the turnaround. So they can swallow weaker sales if the slowdown is being offset by much better execution, as, as witnessed by margin I- expansion. All right, how about Azo? Okay, very similar. The revenue and same-store sales both came in weaker than expected, but they still delivered a big earnings beat. The response? Quizzical. AutoZone stock got crushed. Falling 9.5% in one day, plunging from $665 to $602. Now it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Two companies report mixed quarters, one sees the stock just get poleaxed, the other sees the stock soar. But that said, there may have been something wrong here because AutoZone has since bounced. In fact, it's nearly made up all of its post quarter losses, climbing back to $653 and changed them today. Where do I come down on these? Okay, real important. At these levels, Advanced Auto Parts now sells for 16 times next year's earnings estimates. These are slow-guarding companies. AutoZone sells for only 11 times next year's earnings. In short, AutoZone has become much, much cheaper Whereas advance is about in line with the average stock in the S&P 500. And that is completely crazy, wrong, and you got to take advantage of it. Bottom line, at the end of the day, valuation does matter in America. Advance order parts, which was uh, too cheap when the stock was beaten down, beaten down hard last year. It's now come roaring back, and I think, you know what? The easy money has been made. Now it's AutoZone that's the cheap one, too cheap. And that buyback will follow it wherever it goes, especially if it goes higher. Despite AutoZone's less than stellar recent results, I think the stock is a far better buy here, and I like it even more in the weakest. Worst-case scenario, it goes lower, and the company will be buying right along with you. AZO, buy, buy, buy. Donald in Florida, Donald. Yeah, hello, Jim. I'm
1: a first-time caller, and I love your show. Thank you. I'm calling about Rev Group, R-E-V-G. Since it's high on January 5th, it's down over 45%. This company has done a lot of strategic acquisitions and partnerships. They beat on Q1 earnings with 16% net sales growth, and they also noted strong backlogs. Its board-okayed a $50 million share buyback program March 20th. With earnings coming out June 6th, should I continue to hold since it seems to have bottomed? Or should I take the loss?
0: It is interesting, because it's specialty vehicles, and it's being lumped in with Thor, uh, which has done terribly of late. And I don't know if that's fair or not. So let me do this. Let me look at Rev Group, which we've looked at before, and see whether the analogy to Thor is correct. Or maybe we have a winner here buried inside of what looks to be a loser stock. And thank you for the kind comments. Let's go to Calvin in Minnesota. Calvin. Booyah, Jim from Minnesota. Good to have you. I mean, the, the Eagles won in Minnesota, so I'm very partial to you. Go ahead. Today, I got a question for you on Buckeye Partners, BPL. I Would don't like it. The stock drop, don't like it? No, that yield is too high. I'm throwing the red flag. I think that, that this stock has got real problems. And by the way, the MLP group, I despise it. I despise those stocks. The only one that has done anything close to being good performance is Magellan, MMP. The rest of them, sell, 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 sell. Sorry to be so wishy-washy. Valuation matters, people, and there's been a turn in events. I think AutoZone is now the cheaper play. It's the the slow one, will later be fast, and it's AutoZone, which is a far better buy than AP. Still had my exclusive with whoa, new relic stocks up nearly 75% this year. Could the move continue? I'm going to talk with the CEO. And Salesforce's quarter is even better than it looks. Did you think that was possible? I'm going to fill you in why. And all your calls night digital, the Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer.
1: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE.
3: Anything in terms of key to this market,
0: Jim? <laughs> Dick's sporting goods. No. Yes! Come listen, on. no,
3: stop it! Dick's sporting goods to yes. this market.
1: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
0: When we get a terrific day like this one, right after a big decline, I'm less interested in what went up today. And more interested in what went up yesterday when the market was getting pummeled. Take New Relic. Here's a company with a stock that rallied more than two bucks yesterday, put on nearly another point today because the darn thing just does no one to quit. And this is just the latest move. It's given us 127% gain since we spoke to the CEO about a year ago. 127%? How do you like that? How'd they do it? Okay, New Relic is a cloud-based software analytics company that specializes in application performance monitoring. In plain English, they help clients keep track of what their business software is doing, real time, and how their users are interacting with it, again, in real time. More importantly, business is booming. When New Relic reported three weeks ago, the company shot the lights out. Not only did they blow away the estimates with 34% revenue growth, imagine also gave very strong guidance. No wonder the stock seems like it's applied for permanent residency status on the new high list. So let's Check in with Lou Cerny, the bankable founder and CEO of New Relic, to learn more about how this company is doing where it's headed. Mr. Cerny, welcome back to Man Money. Good to see you, sir. Jim, it's Thank great. you. Great Have to a seat, you. Thanks Look, for having me. You know, I, call, I talked about APM just now, but the truth is, as you say in your conference call, you're no longer just a tool for your clients. You are a strategic platform for managing the success of their modern digital initiative. A lot of these companies cannot do a digital initiative without you, can they?
3: Well, we believe that in order to succeed with digital, you need a platform like New Relic, and we believe we've got by far the best platform. What do I mean by that? Well every digital business. Let's take CNB, for example, and CNBC. This sure. is a great company, you right. know. And I use your app every day, and I just met your team upstairs half an hour ago. Did you? Yes. And they rely on New Relic to make sure every mobile interaction, every web click is flawless, because more and more of your content's reaching people digitally. And we ensure that you deliver a great experience for all of your customers, too.
0: Now, what you want, I want to explain to people, because one of your hallmarks is you have the easiest to use interface. So what are they looking at, and what What can they tell at CNBC.com?
3: Well, digital teams, these are software developers, they're operations, they're very smart people, but they're very busy and very overloaded. They've got a lot of stuff to do to keep these sites up and running. And so they don't have time to le- learn complex tools in order to wa- watch what's going on in production. So we work very hard at New Relic at making our products easy, not only for a couple of specialists to use, but the entire digital team to use. And that makes digital a team sport, which helps them succeed with the initiative.
0: Well, I like that because the team sport that you're doing is you're using, uh, you're helping SAP with Concur, a company that we used to love when it was Great when company. it was public and you're part of obviously a team because those are all online companies.
3: They are, you know, Concur is a great customer of ours. They've been using us for quite some time as their, you know, their entire customer experience is obviously through digital as people file their expense reports, they do it on their phone. How do you make sure that works flawlessly? We measure everything about that customer experience from the mobile device to the application code running in the cloud to the cloud infrastructure itself all in one platform. Our customers are sick of putting together a bunch of tactical right. tools. Right. They want a strategic vendor to help them succeed with digital, and they're turning to New Relic for that reason.
0: A uh, great feather in your cap. You talked about how IBM will resell New Relic pl- uh, platform to its global customer base. They, too, need one big platform.
3: Well, of course, I mean, you look at IBM and so many other large technology companies, they're fully embracing the software-as-a-service model. That means their capability to operate large software systems for their customers. That's critical to delivering a great customer experience, and we're proud to do that for IBM and so many other customers. But in in our partnership, we're also partnering with IBM, which obviously has a wonderful brand, and particularly with the largest, most established enterprises, particularly internationally. They're going to help us reach customers that might not know of New Relic yet today and in, you know, internationally in particular.
0: No, we've mentioned this one, but it's been, I have to bring it up again because I think it's so important. Uh, we've been big fan of Pat Doyle and what he's done at Domino's. Oh, and yeah. when I look through your deck of your company, there it is, 60% of U.S. sales from digital channels in 2017, dynamics impacting broad range of industries, Domino's. Right. So they know that they're working because of you.
3: Domino's is, you know, no longer a pizza business. They're a technology business, right? right? 60% of their business going through the phone. You know, IDC says that by 2021, a full 50% of global GDP will be digital. Think about that for a second. Who is going to be the platform that helps companies move to that digital world we, are, we believe we have a strategic role to play and we're very early in our journey
0: All right now you're getting a, uh, you're getting a lot of multiple six-figure customers yes uh, and that's accelerating in this quarter uh, at the same time if you're early on um, you're starting to show that level of profitability that I thought wouldn't happen for uh, years from now so the business must be so good that you can make money and and, and a lot of this has to be these giant customers that now love you
3: well, since the very founding of the company, we've been thoughtful of building a great business that we felt would deliver great long-term returns to our, to our shareholders. And so we didn't want to think of profitability as an afterthought. We carefully constructed our model. For example, we have the highest gross margin of any of our SaaS peers by a pretty good margin. And so that's often something that companies take on later. And so with, with things like thinking about efficiency, we are able to generate um, nice and growing profits. But you know, make no mistake, our priority is growth. But we just want to efficiently grow the business, and we think we have the opportunity to do that.
0: All right, one last question. I'm watching at Dodgers-Phillies last night. Before that, I was watching some other games, watching a Red Sox game. Yeah. The number of things I can do on MLB.com has to overwhelm MLB.com. But somehow they're able to be sure that everything is instant, and they must know because of you.
3: Well, here's the thing, you said, you said it right. There's so many things you can do on MLB.com. Oh, so good. So their developers have to continually innovate and create new right. things. Every time you make a change, that's risk. New Relic gets you comfortable with taking on that risk because you can see what's going on. And the more comfortable our customers are with embracing change, the more successful they're going to be with digital. And the most successful digital enterprise in the world rely on New Relic as their strategic platform.
0: Well, they definitely do. And that's why the numbers show it. What a great stock. What a great company. That's Lou Cerny. is the founder and CEO of New Relic. I know it's had a move, but you just heard. It's early. If Lou says it's early, it's early. Man, money's back in. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. It's about to start. by And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? It is time for the lightning round. That's right? I want to start with Gary in Maryland. Gary. Yeah, boy. Yeah, Jim. Uh, I like your program
1: very much. Thank you. I, I like about this one stock, uh, Procter and Gamble. Uh, I bought a little high, but it's down a little bit. But uh. I want your opinion on that. I think that you're fine.
0: Uh, it, it, my friend Doug Cass in the site Real Money Pro is saying that he's hearing something good could happen, Proctor. Here's what I think could happen good. It's got a good yield, and the company's going to turn around, and I like the fact that Nelson Peltz is on the board. I'm going to John in Pennsylvania now. John! Booyah, Jim. What Booyah. is your take on Penn National Gaming stock? Oh, I just boy, I one of it. the sleeper gaming oh, no. stock very much. Let me throw in I like MGM and boy, have you seen Wynn? Let's go to Anthony in New Jersey. Anthony! Oh yeah, from Parts Jim. My question is on NCR. You're right around the corner, but I gotta tell you something, I don't like the way that stock is acting and I don't think the, the end markets are that strong. Let's take a pass on it. How about we go to Sean in Indiana? Sean! Hello, Jim Primer! Hi, hey! What are your thoughts on Citigroup? I cannot believe how oversold this guy. Are people just thinking that Mike Cloak Corbett doesn't know what he's doing? Because I got news for them. He certainly does. I bet he's in there buying stocks hand over fist. Why people sell it stupidly, which is why my trust owns it. Follow the factualandsplus.com. How about Norman in California? Norman. Hey, Kramer. Norman A. Norman from L.A. Musical booyah to you. Well, well put. What's up? Long-time viewer, third-time caller. This one's trading near its multi-year low. Pays a nice dividend. World's largest franchise Coca-Cola bottler, 28% owned by Coca-Cola, operates throughout Latin America and the Philippines. Is this a good entry point once more to get into ticker symbol KOF, Coca-Cola Femza? <laughs> Match your noises. No, it is not. We don't want that stock. If we wanted to, we recommend KO, but I think PEP is doing better. PepsiCo stock is down more than I can remember see it from its 52-week high. That's the stock to be in. Don't forget, I'm throwing in Frito Light and I had some chips this weekend. I, I, have you had a bag of Frito lays lately? I mean, I got to tell you, I had them with a turkey sandwich and a little lettuce and Jack t- in Ohio, Jack. Hey, thanks for taking my call. It's Not a problem. Hey, it seems like 60% of the people that you walk by, including myself, have a Fitbit watch on. So why is that stock already? Because any so, other 50% forward? who don't. No, actually, I think the Fitbit is just not. It's, you know what? It is just a, a stock that's never been able to make the big money, which is what we really want, is profits. And that would be a wonder. And that, ladies and gentlemen, a lightning round.
1: The lightning round. Is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
0: People are always struggling to understand how early we are in this whole cloud adoption thing. What inning? You heard that before. We almost always find ourselves asking if there's anyone else left under the sun who hasn't adopted the cloud already to improve their customer relations or analyze data or build a business. We've been hearing about this for ages. I mean, could there really be anybody left? Does this story still have long legs? Then you go on a Salesforce conference school like last night, and you recognize that not only are we early, but the adoption is now coming fast and furious right now without people even realizing it. Last night's quarter from Salesforce, as strong as it was, with the company being the first software company to get to eight to $13, billion, 13 billion in cloud revenues was actually even better than it sounds. They have a new category called, and I quote, remaining transaction price, which represents future revenues that are under contract but haven't been recognized yet. And this metric ended the first quarter at approximately $20.4 billion, $9.6 billion of that being recognized over the next 12 months. That's an amazing surge of businesses, nowhere coming from traditional businesses that need customer relations help, like the consumer packaged goods companies or retailers, or even insurance companies or banks. Although Citigroup got called out a couple of times when we spoke to CEO Mark Benioff last night. No, it was two other totally unexpected accounts that really stood out for this guy. The Department of Ag, yeah, and the VA. The Ag Department has a $141 billion budget. There are 9 million veterans involved with the VA's health administration alone. These are huge customers that you think didn't even well, think that they had customers, right? I mean, after all, what does the federal government care about improving how it relates to farmers and ranchers and returning soldiers? The answer, obviously, is plenty. Congress wants to get its money's worth from these organizations, and at the end of the day, embracing the cloud is just so much cheaper than the old-school alternative. Remember, Salesforce is a platform. Uh, the number one platform for agencies and companies that want to onboard to the web in any way, shape, or form. It's one of the biggest partners of Amazon Web Services. And Salesforce is not alone. All of what we call the cloud kings, Adobe, Red Hat, VMware, Splunk, Workday, ServiceNow, are flying. You see those stocks today? Everyone, because they're about cloud adoption. And anyone listening to last night's Salesforce call knows that this process is indeed in the incredibly early innings, as everyone and everything gets digitized, it's important for every executive to have complete control of their organization. That's what Salesforce really excels at. By the way, it's in the palm of your hand. The head of the VA needs a good view of his department to answer questions and ensure that veterans get help or risk getting fired by our fire in chief, Donald Trump. I always thought of Salesforce as a company that helped businesses close the sale or learn more about what the customers might want. A high-end clothing wants to be ready when that customer appears in the store. Marriott might one day be able to contact you when you get off the plane and ask you if you still want that chicken salad sandwich in your hotel room when you get there, something that the company is working on right now to make you stay loyal. I'm told that they've got this thing going, and that's Salesforce. I just didn't know. I didn't know that a government agency, which is not in competition with anyone, would still want help from Salesforce. It stands to reason that if two federal agencies just adopted their platform, then dozens of others might follow. Once again, I come back and say cloud adoption is still in its early innings. You know you're early when you didn't even imagine a gigantic nonprofit organization with nine million lives at stake could actually be a customer let alone a huge one. Not only does Salesforce remain a buy, and the same goes for all the other cloud kings, that's right, a marinerary right here. Sure, you may have to wait until the next Italian job to buy them in a weakness, but when it happens, you got to be ready to pounce. Yep, when it comes to the cloud, the opportunity, it's still young. Stick with Kramer. All right, so the steel stocks are climbing after hours. Please, that's not a reason to buy them. This tariff won't mean that much to them. Like I said, there's always more in the summer. I'm just trying to find it just for you right here, man. Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow!